The following podcast is brought to you by Astro Panda Productions. For more information or to find other great shows, visit astropandaproductions.com or visit the Astro Panda Productions page on blogtalkradio.com. Welcome back to Geekish Cast. This is Season 3, Episode 1 of uh, the brand new year, 2018. Guys, I've been out for a little while. This shows Jeremy. I've been out for a little while. The flu has been especially disgustingly bad this year. I've had family members in and out of the hospital, and we have been reorganizing the house. So uh, producing a podcast episode has been a little bit trickier than normal. But I'm back, and I am thankful you are back here to listen to me. Um, we're going to take a quick commercial break, and then we'll be back to introduce Amanda Taylor of Apple Juice Productions. We'll see you in a few seconds. All right, everybody, we're back. Thank you for uh, checking us out. Right now, I'm going to introduce Amanda Taylor. How are you doing, Amanda? I'm great. How are you? I am doing quite well. Uh, tell us a little bit about Apple Juice Productions. Oh, yeah. Well, it is a production company uh, run by women um, kind of across the country, primarily uh, where I'm located here in Salt Lake City, but we have people all over the place creating uh, content mostly based in fandom. So we do a lot of kind of book adaptations or jumping off from books, um, nerdy stuff for fangirls by fangirls. Yeah, it was actually that tagline made me feel like I shouldn't watch any more of your videos than I had already seen. Um, <laughs> Not I a fangirl. <laughs> yeah, I, I didn't know if maybe I was seeing things I shouldn't. Um, so I guess what was your first foray into making a fan production? Oh, gosh. Actually, my first foray was in high school. Uh, our, our high school had a little bit of a tradition of taking a popular movie at the time and adapting it in a, in a parody uh, of the thing and applying it to the high school. And a friend and I did The Chronicles of Narnia, and we turned it into The Chronicles of Highland, which is uh, my high school, and kind of took the elements of it that we felt like worked and um, switched it up so we could obliterate our rivals east high of high school musical fame um and put on a big show for our fellow students uh-huh at what point in your life did you realize you were a bit geeky <laughs> um <laughs> wow i i wish i could say there was like a moment but i feel like it's just been so ingrained in me for so long um there's almost no separating it i i've always been a huge fangirl of whatever i like Mm -hmm. um, like geeking out to me once they finally kind of came up with a phrase for that. I recognize that as a symptom of a lot of moments of my life. Um, the little mermaid was probably the first thing that I got really geeky about when I was like one, <laughs> right. Nice. When it came out, yeah. um, I had, you know, merch and did a lot of cosplay and, you know, words that we didn't use back then, but we use now. Oh yeah. That's actually one of my, I remember as a kid getting beat up because I knew too much about Star Trek, you know? Mm -hmm. And I also know, know when I go to the theater now and I see the guys who used to beat me up or buying tickets to see Star Trek and Star Wars, I'm thinking, you don't belong here. 
this isn't for right. you. Yeah. Like you need to pass some sort of like test or, or something. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. This, this wasn't built for you, you know? Um, that's really cool. So as far as getting into production work and everything, did you start off in acting, writing? What were your first artistic endeavors that really got you going? Definitely performing. Um, I have always been fond of an audience. Mm -hmm. So I started off in dance lessons. Um, I always was doing singing uh, performances for my unwitting family. Um, but also, you know, in a more professional capacity, I, I just always liked being able to bring joy to people, which is a lot easier when you're three years old. You're just like charming anyway. Mm -hmm. Um, but then I did theater in high school and, um, ended up studying journalism. So more performing, but then also, um, got really into writing. I wanted to write about pop culture and, and arts and entertainment. That was always my plan. Um, I studied journalism in college as well. So I was always sort of adjacent to this creative process and people who were producing and making stuff. Um, and kind of it all converged just in a, a happy accident, kind of um, the things that I had done previously in my life and the, the things that I had done more professionally and studied in school. Okay. Where did the idea to start Apple Juice Productions come in? My friend Ellen uh, came to me and told me she had a great idea. Um, this was around the time when the Lizzie Bennett Diaries was getting really big, and um, she's a big Austin fan. So she said, you know, I have an idea to modernize a Jane Austen story, um, and I think we could make it. And I was kind of like, that's cute, you know, haha. And she told me her idea, and it was really good. Um, I brought Chelsea into the conversation, and then the three of us kind of ongoing back and forth, like, oh, this idea is so good. It's one of those things that we have to take advantage of. Like, we absolutely must make this. But it was just, it was so daunting. It took us, like, ugh, almost two years to get to the point where we were like, okay, we can make this happen. And um, we decided to do it in the vein of Lizzie Bennett, which is just a single camera vlog style, very simple um, setup so that we could focus on the story and not have to be kind of waylaid by the technical challenges that might have come about if we had done it more traditionally. And I don't know, just through the encouragement of the three of us kind of pushing each other, we decided we can do this now. Yeah. I think now you're quite a bit younger than me, but I remember I owned a book in the nineties. It was called like how to make a movie on a used car budget. Cool. And one of the things in there was like, you know, as they're laying out the budget, one of the biggest expenses was film. Mm -hmm. Now you're coming up in an era where that's not even really a consideration. Yeah. How, <laughs> how much of this could you have done 20 years ago? Do you think? <laughs> oh my gosh. I don't, I have no idea what the setup was even like for a film. I was such a theater kid. I don't, I was never like, we're going to make movies on the super eight, you know? Yeah. Um, we, we borrowed a camcorder, um, when I was young and we had our VHS tapes that we made home movies on. Um, and, and that's always been my attitude. So I think if I was as determined 20 years ago as I am today, we probably could have done it on a similar budget just because I'm a big believer in asking for favors and utilizing resources that are available to me. Um, even now we still borrow a lot of equipment. We, um, we do a lot of trade. We, we just try to do it as cheaply as we possibly can. So even though the, uh, 
the situation would have been different and our distribution model would have obviously been very different. Um, I think we probably could have still done it pretty cheap. Okay. So tell me about the people you work with in Apple Juice Productions and what your roles are. Yeah. So I'm a lot of things. Um, and I'll get back to me, but mm-hmm. <laughs> Chelsea, who I mentioned, uh, worked on the Kate Moreland Chronicles uh, with us, and she is kind of our publicist, marketing guru, um, slash producer, and picks up a lot of the kind of um, clerical tasks. She does a lot of email. She does a lot of coordinating with people, making sure people's schedules are matching up and that sort of thing. Uh, Kaylee is our cinematographer and editor and she shoots everything she's in charge of our main technical crew whoever's there doing lights or sound or whatever we've decided we can (laughs) afford to ask people to do um and then like i said she edits everything so she kind of is the the gatekeeper of the footage which is really nice um and then myself i write and i have directed as has kaylee Um, that's neither of our favorite things. So we try to get other directors and people in here who want a chance to do that rather than just, um, feeling a little bit forced by our (laughs) situation. And I act in all of our projects and then I kind of am the creative director. So I do a lot of coordinating with what it looks like, um, on set, what the costumes look like, what the final cuts look like, um, and kind of keep things running and keep things moving. So okay. that's the main four. And then depending on what the project, we have uh, a million other just amazing, excited, and really talented volunteers who have come in um, as actors and as directors and helping us with costumes and um, lights and sound and all of the other various things that go into it. Excellent. So another uh, group I met last year or the year before was doing a web series, and I found out they were from your neck of the woods there in Salt Lake City. And then I found out you guys have a huge, like, just almost like a overabundance of creative talent there. <laughs> what? There is, um, yeah, sorry, go ahead. No, no, I was going to say, what What would you attribute that to? I mean, why do you think there's so much talent in Salt Lake City itself? It's such a weird, um, it's a weird question because I, I've lived also in LA, so mm-hmm. everyone there is working um, in the industry in some capacity. Yep. Uh, <laughs> so it's hard for me to compare. Um, I also spent some time in DC, though, and that's the opposite. So um, there is kind of a cultural thing about specifically music, I would say, and most of the local theaters here do musicals, um, and that's like a big that's a big thing in the culture, whether they're like family friendly or more on the adult side, it's a lot of singing. Everybody seems to be a singer, um, which is really fun. And I think for some reason here in Utah, we have this attitude where it's like everybody is creative and they're very willing to do it as a hobby because they kind of have told themselves like, this isn't really a career but they're very enthusiastic and very talented and willing to put in a lot of time and work. So we have this like incredibly skilled group of hobbyists who are very interested in creating stuff. And I, I have no idea what is pushing that. It's just been something that we have definitely appreciated and definitely taken advantage of. 
Oh, certainly. So you were saying that you don't enjoy directing yourself, so you guys try to find somebody else to do it. Mm-hmm. How easy, I mean, again, with the, the talent pool you have to draw from, how easy is it to find people there? We have a mission to make sure that our directors are always female mm-hmm. and that most of our crew is as well. Um, so we have a little bit of a challenge in that respect. There are a lot of men locally who work and are very good and um, are eager to prove their credentials to us when we post calls for crew and we're like, really for a woman. And the answers are always, well, I'm not a woman, but <laughs> um, so we, we have gotten a couple of kind of enthusiastic hobbyists, like I already mentioned, but our director, for example, for Lily Evans and the stroke of midnight is a friend of ours um, from New York and she flew in to direct that. So it's, it's good and bad because um, of the, kind of gender disparity that you get here and in all of the film industry, but especially here. Yeah. Um, I'm going to try to put this delicately because I don't ever question other people's religious views or anything. Uh, but Salt Lake city is semi synonymous with a particular religion. That is true. Um, have you found having a feminist feminist production company or a feminist ethos in your production company is that made more difficult by being in Salt Lake City, you think? Or is there challenges that you run into with that? Um, not in the production side. Okay. Uh, most of the women we work with are very enthusiastic about that mission. Most of the men we work with are very supportive of it as well. Um, it's not something that they're, like, new to because we tend to work with people who are also pretty similar in our age range. So it's kind of like the generational thing where we're all a little bit um, – more open-minded. Sure. Um, But I think for some reason, when we've tried to do local press or appearances or whatever, just try to say like, Hey, we, we kind of are a thing that exists locally. Um, then we've met with some reluctance to kind of shine light on what we're doing. Uh, and, and I can only theorize, but I sometimes wonder, is it because of the whole like feminism thing? (laughs) Yeah, they don't they don't necessarily point it out, but they're not saying it's not either, I assume. Yeah, they're just not as eager to, like, highlight us or talk to us or uh, whatever. Yeah. It's well, their loss. Hey, that's yeah, that's fine. They, they, you did just fine without them, I'm sure. So, you know, yeah. <laughs> well, then on a larger scale, since you, you know, we'll stay with kind of the feminist, the feminist underlying thought here has. Have you found that that has helped you grow an audience? I assume that most fan stuff is a bunch of dudes doing Star Trek fan films and not necessarily women making things for women to watch. What have you found? I found the opposite completely. There, because of the Jane Austen and and Shakespeare as well, um, kind of world um, mm-hmm. that exists in web series specifically. Um, this whole kind of corner of the internet has sprung up literary inspired web series and it's this little family of women creating content for women a lot of it is um incredibly lgbtq plus friendly and it's taking you know these kind of popular and beloved stories and modernizing them in a way that um these particular audiences really respond to and all of the people that we kind of want to appeal to and approach in terms of our fans we always think of them as being women and then the people that we talk to who are doing similar things and making other things um are always women it's been so interesting because i know 
in terms of specifically Harry Potter, the big Harry Potter fan films that kind of have blown up and obviously had a, a lovely budget and <laughs> some great special effects and whatever, they lack certain elements to me and to a lot of the female audience um, in characterization and just the way that the people, the characters interact with each other that we really hit on. Um, so we've been really lucky. We found a lot of, a lot of girls and we're all kind of in it together and supportive. And it's just, it's a really fun group. Okay. See, I'm, I'm just a little bit too old for the Harry Potter thing. So I don't really understand a whole lot about it. Mm. Um, but let's, let's talk about your series a little bit too. So that way we uh, don't lose track of what you're doing, but you've got, um, Lily Evans is. Yeah. So, Born of the idea that there probably needed to be some sort of story in the Harry Potter universe with a female lead, <laughs> we um, came up with this idea to uh, explore the life of Lily Evans, who is Harry Potter's mom, and um, her friends at the time and kind of get into the Marauders era, which uh, if you aren't familiar, I will just let you know that mm -hmm. this is a big thing on the Internet, the like pre-Harry Potter generation um, they're very, very, very beloved and popular and people have a lot of theories. There's so much fanfic and just like endless amounts of content about these characters. And it's crazy. I went through um, this summer when we were writing Stroke of Midnight and I took a highlighter for each character and I highlighted anything that was mentioned about them, their hair color, a personality trait, a story from like the past about these characters. And there is not that much information at all. It's um, it's crazy how much fan stuff has just grown out of this desire to explore these characters more because they're so much fun. So we did Lily Evans and uh, The Eleventh Hour last year, last fall. And it was so much fun to get into these characters and write them. And then we ended up, although I was terrified of casting because casting Harry Potter's parents seems like really, I don't know, presumptuous in a way. And we ended up with a great cast. We had so much fun working on it. So we kind of just wanted to do it again because it was so much fun. And we also felt like there was more story to tell. Um, so we got the same cast back together, which was a coup a little bit because our James, um, who's played by John Rose had moved to New York. And so we had to get him back. Um, and then added some additional people and just continued the exploration of these characters because it's so much fun. So I have to ask this, especially since we're only a month out since uh, Star Wars The Last Jedi came out. Mm -hmm. I have to assume, especially since you say this era of the Harry Potter story has so much fan work already involved. Yeah, yeah. A lot of people have ideas in their heads of their absolute headcanon. Here is what it was like at that period of time, period, right? That's what I'm assuming. Yeah, yeah. Do you run into blowback when you try to tell a story that is so uh, already in integrated into people's headcanon of what the Harry Potter universe is like? What has been your experience with that? Again, just really supportive. Um, it's so cool. I just like, I love it. It's such a fun fandom um, to get involved in. And the people, I mean, I personally don't read the comments because as I'm playing Lily Evans, it's become like, a very personal thing to me. And so I don't really get into like, what are the criticisms? Um, but if there's ever anything, we are extremely detail oriented. So we have made sure that it stays within the canon of what we, what we definitely know, what JK Rowling herself has written and said, um, like 
really a lot of research <laughs> to the point of ridiculousness. Um, but generally, people are really receptive to all of the things that we've done. So we, for example, we cast um, an Asian man as Remus Lupin. And, you know, in the movies, he's not Asian. And people were really excited about that. Um, and anything else that we did that was kind of maybe maybe had deviated from, like you said, what they have in their head uh, has been met with like a pretty good reception. But the, the main thing is that people really, really ship Jilly, which is Lillian James. Mm-hmm. Um, and we just made sure that we got that all right so that everybody was at least happy about that. Um, so that's most of that's most of what we get is just like shippers who are excited to see these people kind of materialize in this way and more in the right age range and stuff. We kind of took what the movies did wrong um, or what we felt they did wrong and corrected them. It's been, it's been lucky because yeah, there definitely could have been a lot of naysayers, but we, we haven't experienced a lot of that. And some of it's probably cause it's not the biggest fan film. You know, if it was more widespread, I'm sure we'd get more negative opinions. Oh yeah. And I'm just curious because I'm, I, in conversations, even with friends of mine, I'm hearing about how this newest Star Wars movie got this wrong or how it should have done that. And I'm thinking, I don't think it's appropriate to tell a storyteller how they should tell a story they want to tell. (laughs) (laughs) It's a little rude. Yeah, well, I just, you know, look, we all have ideas of where it went, and we should be excited that somebody did something we didn't expect. Yeah. Well, and my argument is always like, hey, if you want to do your own version, go for it. (laughs) Yeah. How about it? So um, we'll, we'll delve into all the lines that you're covering or all the, the fan series you make. But um, I do want to ask you, are you ever tempted to take, uh, say, a series like Harry Potter or something similar to it and kind of file off the serial numbers and try to make something that is obviously derivative but more original in nature? Or do you think you're better off doing something that's, you know, on the books, part of that universe? That's a really interesting question. In terms of like fandom and nerdy genre content, I prefer stuff that's a little more obviously an adaptation um, or an offshoot, like what we've done, which is taking the characters and making our own story. Um, I think, you know, there's good and bad to be said for either. If I'm going to write something original just for myself as a writer, I'd rather have it be completely mine and not Mm -hmm. really inspired by or in the genre of or family of something that already exists i'd rather be a little bit more obvious and transparent about that i think um and that's for a couple of reasons it's it's a good marketing tactic for one but also it just um you know it kind of gives people an idea of what they're going to expect which i think is kind of important yeah because there was a problem in the last couple years with star trek fan films you know Mm. where uh, Paramount actually had to release guidelines and say, you can make two 15-minute films. You have to buy all your gear. If it's if it's a, like a badge, it has to come from our uh, marketing arm. And oh, then wow. after that, you can't make any more. Well, it's, a guy raised several million dollars on the promise of making a Star Trek fan film. That's incredible. And then they had to actually sue him to stop it. Oh, my gosh. And then he actually countersued to say, well, you don't actually own these elements of Star Trek. Oh, it was... It was as a fan, I was like almost pulling my hair out watching the whole yeah. thing break down. Yeah. That's, that's really stressful because we do this completely out of love for the property. Um, and we are a nonprofit, so we don't, 
you know, we're not trying to generate anything. Sure. Yeah, yeah. I, I wasn't trying to make a judgment about you. I was just kind of like, I'm curious about these. Are you actually a, a, an actual nonprofit organization? No, we're not registered, but we we don't uh, generate revenue. <laughs> gotcha. No, I understand how that goes. How do you guys How do you guys pay for your productions? If I if I may ask. Yeah, you absolutely can. Um, between Chelsea and Kaylee and myself, we all have full time jobs um, of varying degrees of interest and success, and <laughs> we um, we just put the bills. The three of us are passionate enough about doing this um and we've felt like to this point it has been worth it uh which has been another interesting part of the journey for sure and we we definitely kind of hit our peak of what we can do for free so like i said we have volunteers everybody who comes onto our set is aware that we do not have any money to give them and the money that we put out is for food um costumes props you know stuff like that that we can't kind of figure out how to get for free um but in the last in our last production we realized you know this is this is about as much as we can ask of people for no payment um no compensation for their time and their amazing talents and energy so we're looking at some new models but so far it's just been us outstanding okay um that was just me being curious about how you do that cuz i know how when you sit down to like plan a project you go oh yeah we could do this for 150 bucks and the next thing you know, you spent $700 and you're standing in a hole wondering how you got there. Yeah, the smoldering wreckage. <laughs> yeah. So I, I do know how that goes quite often. Um, all right, well, let's talk about the, the stuff you're making. So we already brought up Lily Evans a little bit. You're you're doing stories about Harry Potter's parents. Yeah. Um, we've kind of covered that. So let's. Um, I'm going to go down the list as I have them written. So this may not be chronological, alphabetical, or sensible in any way. But <laughs> you also have Stony Brook Revisited. Yes. Which is uh, Babysitter's Club. Yeah. One, one of my favorites as a child. Obviously. Obviously. You're the target audience, yeah. right? Well, um, we, like I said, we like doing stuff based on books. Uh, the Babysitter's Club is very female-friendly and extremely empowering. You know, it's a, it's a group of seventh-grade girls who start a business um, babysitting, and then they kind of, you know, figure out how they want to, put in dues and then they use their money to like buy stuff for babysitting. It's, it's a very interesting, like young entrepreneurs kind of story mixed in with like hijinks and crushes on boys and whatever. Yeah. Um, so I read those books like voraciously as a child. I thought that was just, they were my favorite when I was about eight. Um, I thought Stacy McGill was like the peak of cool and she's like, from New York and has great style and had like a blonde perm. So <laughs> I've always, always loved those stories. Um, and we decided that we wanted to do kind of a, a revisiting haha, of the characters and check in with them as if they had grown up finally, because there are about 150 books in the series and they never graduate from the eighth grade. So we wanted to finally give them <laughs> an adulthood and um, that was a really fun exploration of something that I felt like I had a very deep knowledge of and not maybe your typical thing to fangirl over, but definitely something that I was a fangirl about. Um, and it was it was so wonderful to go back and look at the characters and realize how empowering they had been to me. Um, the main 
kind of person who starts the club. It's her idea, and she's very bossy. Her name is Amanda. Um, her middle name is Amanda, and she was always kind of like my go-to. Like, okay, well, she's the best, and she organized all her friends into doing this thing, and um, I organized all my friends into making a series about this character that I had been so inspired by as a kid. It was really fun. That one's interesting to me because, you know, Harry Potter obviously is such an urban fantasy, you know, magical take on reality. And then Babysitter's Clubs is just like, hey, here's a bunch of like, you know, teen and preteen girls like running a business. Mm -hmm. It's a whole different department, it seems like. Yeah, I like being able to explore both sides of of everything. Um, The magic and the being able to do visual effects and all that stuff. Is super cool, and we love that part of Harry Potter and and the kind of limitless nature of that. But we also liked to put things kind of in the real world and the contemporary feel um, that we've given that, and as well as the Kate Moreland Chronicles, um, which again partially comes from uh, being wise about production costs and how much easier it is to dress people in clothes that come out of their own closets. <laughs> oh, absolutely. I was I was just watching a. Um... Chinese production about Bruce Lee this weekend and they would have the main characters dress in period dress for late sixties, early seventies, but everybody around them, it was just like the guy and girl they filmed on the street. Awesome. And I was just like, that is, that is sheer brilliance to me. Yeah. That's not, smart. Yep. But not to mention the, uh, the scripting for the American voice actors they hired later. There were scenes where I was like, it'll lay on the floor and pee myself watching. It was just so <laughs> nonsensical. <laughs> well, that's a good day. Oh, I, Yeah. Laugh yourself silly. I thought it was a fantastic way to spend a day. I, I was really into it. Um, so the next one I've got on the list here is Mysteries of Udolfo. Yes, Mysteries of Udolfo. I'm so fond of this one because it's just such a silly. Um, in the story, Northanger Abbey, uh, the, the heroine, Catherine Moreland, is reading this book that was popular at the time called uh, the Ministries of Udolfo, and I, I really, really wanted to do this really silly, um, actually shoot scenes from this show. So when we adapted it, we decided that our Kate was going to be a fan of this like genre TV show, um, kind of like a Roswell thing, um, like <laughs> meets Dawson's Creek, you know, teen drama and mystery and a little bit of peaks thrown in um, that's based on the Ministries of Udolfo. And it's just essentially this like gothic romance story um, with all these really extreme characters. So I'm like, this is like a CW show that obviously needs to happen. Um, So I tapped my friend Katie, who then became my writing partner on the Lily stuff, uh, to write just some really ridiculous over the top scenes. Um, And then we shot a couple of them as like bonus content for the Kate Moreland Chronicles. And it was so ridiculous it was so much fun um and we got uh you know kind of a new cast which was fun because we spent so much time with the kate moreland people over the summer and it was nice to be able to kind of get some fresh faces in there and and just shot this like melodramatic um teen supernatural romance it was really fun well i guess from that one we have to roll right into the kate moreland chronicles yes based on Northanger Abbey. Um, we took the, the story and, and modernized it in a way that was a little bit of all of our experience. So 
Um, Kate Moreland goes to Los Angeles. She gets a job at a magazine. She ends up meeting her longtime crush, who was the star of Mysteries of Udolfo, um, at San Diego Comic-Con. And they develop a friendship, which turns into a romance, um, et cetera, et cetera. It's, it's extremely tightly based on the book. We um, All the arcs and all the high points and everything are in there, and all the character names are the same. It's um, just the... The time and place that's different, and that was that was our first thing that we took on, which was a huge learning experience and still kind of remains a little special place in all of our hearts. But like I said, based on all of our experience, so I myself did an internship at a magazine and like met actors that I had crushes on at San Diego Comic-Con and got to do like interviews with people that were on TV shows like Supernatural, for example, where I had watched them for many seasons and kind of had to figure out, okay, how do I be professional when I've been like, fangirling over you for years <laughs> okay okay as a supernatural fan i have to know who it was who's your supernatural crush i am all the way team dean okay like, that's that's dreaming. my that's my wife's too so yeah, yeah. I, I always have to ask yeah um so, that happened to me twice i you're probably i don't know if you know who aaron gray is the actress i don't but she was on like buck rogers and all this stuff when i was a kid cool so we went to a WonderCon 15 years ago, took the kids, Aaron Gray's are signing pictures, and I couldn't get two words out of my mouth, not even to get a picture signed. I mean, I just like drooled and like wandered off, you know, and then, oh yeah, my wife had to go back and get the picture for me. Oh my gosh. And then, oh, about three years ago, we're in, we're in Reno and we know there's a comic convention in town that weekend, but we don't know where or when or what yet. Right. Mm-hmm. And we're having dinner with our friends at the buffet and, um, Karen Gillan, Amy Pond, walks right by us. Oh, my God. And I elbow my wife, because we had already bumped into William Shatner at this point, so I was already kind of like in fanboy mode. And <laughs> tall, tall, almost almost translucently pale, pretty redhead walks by, and I elbow my wife. I go, look, Amy Pond. And she walks by again, and my wife goes, that's her. And my friend Julian goes, go, come on, come on, let's get her, let's get her uh, uh, autograph. And I'm like, I can't. <laughs> <laughs> Why not? I go because I'm sweating just at the thought of standing anywhere near her. I'm, I'm just gonna. So that one actually worked out, though. <laughs> oh my gosh, it's crazy! You like think you're a cool, rational person, yep. and then you're like, "Why am I freaking out right now?" Oh yeah, because they're just other people, right? Yeah, but but it's, it's just like I don't know. They come into your home in this intimate way and on such a regular basis. Like I always feel that way about TV people, movie yeah. people. I'm like, okay. You're usually like in a space that is larger than life anyway, so this makes sense. But for TV, I'm like, I feel like you're my best friend. I've literally seen people who played characters, like minor characters on shows that I've spent a lot of time with and thought, oh, there's so-and-so, I know them. And then I'm like, wait, that's an actor. I don't know that person. Uh, so last year, uh, the, God, I'm going I'm to give you a whole bunch of detail about our lives real quick. There's a show my wife and I love. It's a Canadian show, so most people haven't seen it. What but, is it? It's called Corner Gas. Okay, cool. One of the actors on Corner Gas uh, has been on a geekish cast with us, and he's been real friendly and nice to us. So when my wife and I went up to Vancouver, we went to dinner with him and his wife, who mm-hmm. then gave us a tour of the city and hung out. And we went, you know, had beer and wine with them and had a great time. And so now they're friends of ours. It is so weird for me to see them on a t- or see him on a TV show or anything now. And he's been on like Monk and Supernatural, 
and mm-hmm. other things like that. And I just like I'm like I can't even really watch him on TV now because now now it's just too weird. Now I feel like I'm stalking you, you know. <laughs> It is so weird because, like, at the end of the day, it's his job, right? Yeah, like, yeah. Him, he's probably like, well, you know, this is what I do. <laughs> yeah, exactly. But I'm thinking, like, now if there was somebody who like worked at a restaurant and you really love their food, and then you started like going everywhere they cooked and watching everything they ate, you know, exactly. then it gets weird. <laughs> yeah, there's there is like a weird. It's a weird like where do you draw the line with performers because they need an audience, so they they appreciate you being an audience, but you got to remember like to be normal at the yeah. same time yeah well, and that came up at dinner that night i'm like look I, I you know we're fans and i i don't want you to lose track of the fact we're fans but i don't want to like you know have you just treat us just like fans you know right. so i don't know where to really come in on this at yeah you know oh my gosh well i'm glad you've been to vancouver because i think that's the most magical place uh have you been yeah, we I went. Um, love it. Well, I went for a One Direction concert, but we ended up spending time in Steveston, where they shoot a bunch of stuff. But primarily, Once Upon a Time is like that's like their main little um, street that they use. Oh, okay. And so they were they were shooting an episode, and I am such a fan of that show, or I was before the last couple of seasons kind of disappointed me. But yeah. it was so magical to see the process and like just be near it. I was totally totally into it it was really really cool yeah i i loved it we kind of went as a lark it was just one of those things we'd always wanted to do and then we went and it everything went great but we stayed right off of english bay and so we were like right next to davy street and if we'd been like a week earlier we could have seen the gay pride festival which i would have paid money to go to <laughs> dang it well you know it's just one of those things like you don't know when things happen you know yeah yeah but you can only imagine just looking at that neighborhood in that area just it would have had to have been wild you know uh-huh. But yeah, I love Vancouver. We're actually planning our next trip now. Oh, it's so great. I yeah. love it up there. I want to work up there for sure. And yeah. like every TV show shoots up there, so I think it might be a possibility in the future. Yeah. Well, so Amanda, let's um let's talk about this real quick and we'll start to wrap up. But what are your future hopes? Where where do you hope to take Apple Juice Productions in the future? And are there other projects or properties that you'd like to riff on with a fan work? We are going to continue doing things that we feel are important. (laughs) So um, rather than kind of treat it like something that needs to constantly be churning out content, we do host things on YouTube. And so there is a temptation to kind of play with the YouTube uh, method and do, you know, monthly scheduled content or whatever. But we, um, you know, we want to tell the stories that we want to tell. So in terms of Lily, um, for us, that story doesn't quite feel over. Um, something that we probably will go back to and explore, maybe. <laughs> um, Harry Potter's been a big one for all of us, and that you know that's just been kind of a dream come true for everybody. So it's it's something we we want to do it right. We don't want to just hang on to it because we love it, but we want to make sure that we're actually serving the story. Um, and I I personally want to do a Shakespeare um at some point adaptation in whatever capacity that ends up looking like. So we have that kind of in the back of our minds um, for the future. And I want to do something more original uh, that still kind of lives in the sphere of fandom um, and can be applied there just because that's such a core of who all of us are. Every person on our team um, 
is into something like that. We're all kind of Comic-Con girls, so it'll it'll never fully go away. Um, but our goal for the, the coming year is to figure out some funding, and that's just the boring, non-creative answer. Yeah, that's that's really where the, ah, where the rubber meets the road on everything, isn't it, though? Yeah. That's that's always the problem. Oh, all right. Well, hey, it's been a lot of fun talking to you. Thank you for taking the time to do this. Yeah, this has been great. Yeah, let's, um real quick, if people want to find you, mm-hmm. find Apple Juice Productions, where can they look for you at? I would recommend our YouTube channel, which is youtube.com slash Apple Juice Productions. And then we are on the social medias as well at Apple Juice Pro. So come find us or come find me. I'm at Hi Amanda Taylor and I love talking to people. So anything awesome. goes. <laughs> and uh, so since we can so we can wrap up on a, a story of geekdom or something geeky. Yeah, yeah. What are some other? I mean, we know you love the you know. Well, the TV series and stuff we've already mentioned in the Harry Potter. What are some other uh, nerdy properties that you like to talk about? Oh, my goodness. Um, I love talking about Star Wars. <laughs> but lately it's been a little bit of a, whoo, don't go there. Um, thank you very much, The Last Jedi, for some reason. So polarizing. Yeah, it was weird, I, wasn't it? What was your opinion on that? I, I found it to be meh. Is what I told people. Okay. I just I walked out of there like, okay, fun experience, but nothing that like stuck with me versus like The Force Awakens, which totally was like, I gotta go again. You know, I I love these new characters. I'm so excited. I'm so like happy to be back in the Star Wars universe. This one did not have that effect on me. I will say that the one takeaway that I've had and not let go of is that I fell in love with the Porgs, which I originally was <laughs> like they're dumb, and then I was just like. I changed my mind completely. I'm so into them now. Team yeah. Porgs, all the way. Yeah, that poor, <laughs> that poor barbecue porg, barbecued oh, porg. Yeah. So That's awesome. All right. Well, Amanda, again, thank you for doing this. Everybody, go check out uh, Apple Juice Productions. And was it at Hi I'm Amanda or what was your what was your Twitter? Hi Amanda Taylor. Hi Amanda, because I'm going to make sure I go follow you after this now. Oh yes, good. Yeah. I'll follow you back. And we'll uh, we'll we'll swap Star Wars stories or something. Yes, I love it. Yeah, so everybody go check out her uh, web presence and Apple Juice Productions social media and their YouTube page. Again, everybody, sorry I've been out so long, but this flu has really been terrible. Is it? Has it hit Utah as well? Oh yeah, every person I know has been down and out. Yeah, they're saying it's in forty-eight states. I mean, it's just yeah, it's just terrible, terrible stuff. Um, but everybody else, you can check us out at geekishcast.com. We're on Facebook at facebook.com slash geekishcast. I tweet from at the geekishcast. We are on Instagram, uh, but I pretty much just use that to look at pictures of greyhounds and cosplay. So there's really not much to see there. <laughs> All right. <laughs> Amanda, thank you very much. Thank you. Take care, everybody.